Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Hey y'all, welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and I gotta be honest, I don't want to be doing this today. I'm uh, recording this at the last possible minute. Our whole schedule got thrown off by some tech issues a couple weeks ago, and Usually I have things planned out a little bit far in advance. It doesn't mean that I'm not recording at the last minute, but usually there's a a flow in place that we kind of pre-plan based on our promotion schedule and interviews and all sorts of things. And as we've entered December, a lot of this has just kind of collapsed. You might remember from the December energy reading that I said that the things that were going to kind of excite us or motivate us were were probably not what we thought they would be. This is a small example of that, of, of something that, you know, is, is a commitment I make and I just, I don't want to do it. And I, I want to tell you guys that I want you to know that I don't want to do this. Not like in a big way. I just, this isn't what I want to be doing right now. It's Sunday at 5 p.m. I imagine my editor is waiting on this. I'm doing it because there are people who can't do their jobs if I don't do this. And then, you know, we have a commitment to you all and we've missed some episodes because of tech and other things. And I don't, you know, I don't want to miss another one. I want to show up for this commitment that I made. This idea of commitment is really important. My um, friend, colleague, mentor, biz witch wife, Ren Zadipek, loves to go to the etymology of words. And, and commitment you know, comes from a, a word that means to join together. And I think about that when I make commitments in my business, when I make commitments like this show. That is a joining together of you and me. It's a joining together of our energy. We decide to show up across space and time, like I always say, to engage with each other. And when we look at commitment through this idea of joining together, it's a little bit different than just like, here's some shit you have to do. Sometimes it still feels like shit you have to do. (laughs) So I think we're going to have a bit of a soliloquy episode. It's been a while since we've done one of these, otherwise known as Sarah's Ramblings. If you're not interested in that, you can skip this. We have done a ton of really awesome episodes this year. I'm going to be honest with like in-depth training and and concepts and things. If you want something a little bit more more strategic based, go go back in the catalog. You'll find it. But today we're going to talk about stuff. I think we're going to talk about some personal stuff. I think we're going to talk about some business stuff and just kind of, yeah, you're getting me, you're getting me. I mean, I'm usually pretty unfiltered with y'all, but you're going to get me on the more on a more unfiltered side because I just I don't have the energy to sit here and uh, be anything more than I am. Commitment in business is is interesting to me. I feel like culturally, and I'd say specifically within the online business space that that I navigate, sometimes. We act as if commitments are bad. A lot of the criticism that, that we levy against, for example, the productivity you know, paradigm of capitalism or the, the, the hustle, um, the, the pressure that's put on us to, to try to survive in a world that is not set up for our survival. Sometimes we take that so far as to mean that 
we should never do anything we don't want to do. You know, be led by pleasure. And there's a nuance here that we lose, which is that sometimes short term, those commitments might not be things we want, but long term, they lead to the desires. I hear a lot from folks that people who get frustrated when they make a commitment, I'm starting a business, or I'm doing this thing, or I'm launching this thing, or I'm going to try this thing, or I'm going to try to learn this skill. And it doesn't come to them quickly. Or they try it once and it doesn't happen. Maybe twice and it still doesn't happen. The commitment wavers. You say, I'm showing up to be joined to you, this thing that I've committed to. Where are you? I don't want to sit here and say that all things that are worthy of, of our time and energy have to be hard. Not at all. But I'm curious about the reactionary swing away from hard work. I'm curious about what happens when we go all the way in the other direction and we tell ourselves it's okay to care about nothing. I find this, this kind of nihilistic tendency emerging in the anti-productivity, anti-action kind of rhetoric that, that is pervasive in what I'll call the holistic wellness space. <laughs> At least in my, my realms, which I realize might be a little bit more leftist than some. And I find this fascinating because I think there's a lot to be said of course, for questioning those things. And we have at length on this show, and I do at length in my work and in my own business and in my own life. But saying that we shouldn't do anything, that that, that, that compulsion to do, to act, to make commitments, to try hard things, that that is inherently the result of an oppressive system, which I think is what comes through in a lot of these messages. I don't buy it. I think it's nihilistic. I think it leads people to a place of questioning their innate desire for commitment, for hard things, for doing. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that, uh, that doing is everything. I'm a big fan of resting, taking time off. I'm a big fan of following what my body and my brain tell me about something. I almost didn't record this episode because I didn't want to. <laughs> and I try to listen to those impulses. Why don't I want to? Or at least a question. Why don't I want to? What's going on? And decide if, if that's a meaningful compulsion or if I'm just tired or, or in a bad mood, which is, which is true. I am in a bad mood. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to my bad mood episode. But I'm curious about that. One of the reasons I'm so curious about this is um, some work that I've been doing this year personally. And I've mentioned on the show before that I started, I found a therapist this year who, for the first time probably in my entire mental health life, <laughs> I actually like and can engage with and feel safe with and like I'm getting progress from. Um, so if you're someone who's tried therapy in the past, like you could try again. I don't know how many therapists I've had, but they've gone from, you know, benign neglect to, to actually um, horrific, which I think is not uncommon. Therapists are people too. But I've been a little hesitant to talk about why I'm in therapy and what's happening. I, I've been 
a lot of the messages that have come through for me this year and that I've been sharing with you guys has, have been about healthy boundaries, right? Not, not feeling like we have to share all of who we are if we don't want to, especially on the internet, especially as business owners, that, that we get to decide. But I'm starting to see that I'm ready to share a little bit more. Um, well, this makes it sound like I'm like, there's something really exciting that's going to happen. It's not that exciting. Um, but it's something that I feel, I feel shame around even using this language for reasons that'll become kind of clear, I imagine. And this, this, what I've been working with, what I've been really stepping into, what I've been allowing myself to explore is part of, is something that really affirms the fact that for me, I am extremely intrinsically motivated. I am um, someone who needs a lot of stimulation in order to, I mean, frankly, in order to survive, my brain will eat itself <laughs> without it. And how that, that kind of nihilistic, and again, and it's like, it's a full reactionary swing. You will literally never tell, hear me say that like resting is bad or that you need to do stuff all the time. That is, that's not what we're talking about. But this swing to, to the far side of that saying, that you shouldn't do anything ever, that you actually can't do that and know that it is intrinsic because of, of the system that we're within, or that you can't do that and actually find any true joy from it because, of, I mean, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't actually understand the full logic behind it, which is <laughs> why I'm kind of here. And why that, especially in in the pandemic has been really hard for me to receive. Now I'm a grown up, so I don't have to receive it, but I do like to keep my finger on the pulse. And I see that this seems to be really helpful to a lot of people. So if that's helpful to you, first of all, awesome, right? Like you, this is, again, this is a Sarah soliloquy episode. I'm not, I'm not really sitting here trying to like teach something or to stand in my place of expertise or whatever. This is, this is the, the ramble zone. But what's been interesting for me is to start to recognize one of the reasons that I find that so not helpful for me and um, that this comes back to therapy, which is that I am um, working with a therapist specifically around what is increasingly being noticed. Well, I mean, it is, but is being treated as a neurodivergence, which is being gifted. Ugh, that word. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like literally afraid to say that it, it makes my one of the things we're working on is my embodiment. Thank you. It's like, it makes me feel like you're going to eat me, all of you. But I want to talk a little bit about this because I think based on what I see in my audience and a lot of you that I've worked with, probably a lot of you are relate to that. A lot of you are probably gifted. <laughs> I've been trying with one of my friends to come up with another word for it <laughs> because that just sounds so, I don't know. What this really means, though, is um, within the framework that I'm working within, is that my brain is actually different. And there are a lot of different kinds of brains, right? That's this whole concept of neurodivergence. Um, and I know that a lot of you experience different neurodivergences. A lot of you have different brains. It might be my, like mine or not like mine, but a lot of us in this community, our brains are different. <laughs> and mine specifically is one that needs a lot of stimulation. I also actually, I'm learning, think differently. <laughs> but my actual cognition is different than a lot of folks. And I'm starting to see how 
that has affected not just my work, certainly, but how it affects how I interact with things like social media and why I can be so bothered by a seemingly simple concept such as don't do anything. (laughs) Don't work. (laughs) Rest all the time. Taken to the extreme. One of the first pieces is that I, and this has been true basically my entire life, I cannot stand things that are in a binary. <laughs> I know, now I'm speaking to y'all now. I live in the space of nuance. I can always see another side, a gray area. There's, and, and I know that I don't know everything. So there's this constant kind of internal battle to, to try to take into account as many nuances as possible when I share something or when I speak or when I consume information. It's exhausting, to be honest. Um, but I see that then in a lot of this year, and I'm using this kind of specific example of the, like, the anti-hustle thing that's gone too far, in my opinion. Because I'm sitting here looking at a worldview that negates my experience. And it's not the first time it's happened to me. I imagine for some of you that happens a lot, you know, based on, on who you are, based on your race, your gender, your sexuality, your ability. Happens to me too. But it's felt really potent this year when we're getting this like kind of constant message that like we're in a pandemic. So, you know, you shouldn't don't don't even try to do anything. Don't even try to accomplish anything. And and maybe a lot of folks need that. They need that off the hook. And again, if that's you, that's, I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm sitting here in this place where I can't not do things. <laughs> the, um, one of the frameworks that my therapist works within is this idea of overexcitabilities, uh, which comes from a uh, Polish theorist named Dabrowski. And it's this really interesting idea. It's not it's used a lot in gifted frameworks, so it's not specific for gifted folks. I think a lot of you, um, our ADHD friends in particular, would probably relate to this. And it's this kind of like this high intensity or high um, sensitivity in certain areas. And intellect is definitely one of mine. But emotions <laughs> are, are one as well. And um, there is a attention that emerges for me when I'm engaging with something like social media. And I'm not going to lie, y'all. I know new, No Nuance November was supposed to be funny, but that like, it, like, it horrified me. <laughs> and the emotional experience of interacting with content that is not designed for me and the inability to actually have deeper conversations about things, it's... It's, it's eating me up. Um, I don't think that's like a, like a special experience. I imagine a lot of you have that. But I keep kind of looping back to this, like, what happens when we see entire movements that are telling people that they're wrong or bad? How do we have kind of simple and clear conversations in social media without kind of responding in a way that is shutting the door on other people's experiences without also not having to make every single post or statement or comment inclusive of every experience because that's just not possible. 
I don't have an answer for this, but this came up for me really, really serious, kind of <laughs> in, a, in a silly example last night where I posted something on my stories kind of about the, the stuff I've been doing, what, I'm, what I've been into recently. And I, I put a little question box and I was like, what are you guys doing? And I, I listed the things that I'm really excited about right now. This is, this is a common gifted trait. It's common with the overexcitabilities. Um, it's nice for me to finally have some language around this besides just being called manic, which is a whole other conversation. Um, apparently misdiagnosis is very common here. And it looks like my bipolar 2 diagnosis was probably a misdiagnosis when I was in my early 20s. I, I mean, I have plenty of anxiety and depression, but um, anyway. And I listed what I'm into right now because I was excited. I like, wanted to share it. I, um, I taught myself chess last week, reading some good books, started sewing classes uh, with my friend and student um, and colleague. I don't know. We've known each other for so long. Cody, <laughs> Cody Noel. <laughs> um, and there's all this cool stuff that's happening. I was super excited and I posted it. And I was immediately filled with shame. Because I didn't put a disclaimer on it of like, oh, but my brain is different. So this might sound overwhelming to you or like I'm trying to like, <laughs> my fiance Rob calls this like success win culture, which is like, especially where we see that overlap of like, of like self-development and business, like success win, right? Like, you know, wake up at 4am and teach yourself chess before learning a language and taking a cold shower, like, and then opening your email. Um, you know, I didn't have this disclaimer on that, right? So I do the same thing. And the reason that I'm so I feel sensitive to it is because I'm sensitive when I see things that I'm like, no, that's not how I experience the world. And it makes me feel like I'm wrong or I'm bad. So I posted something. I was like, oh, I don't want anyone else to feel that way. I don't want them to feel wrong or bad. And this is what I've, well, this is what I've been doing my entire life, but this is what I've been sitting in for the past couple months. This distorted loop of how I am impacted by things and how that influences what I make in the world in a way that is not authentic or true. I was afraid to leave up a post asking y'all what you're into right now. I didn't want anyone to look at that and think that I was my list of like things that I'm doing right now was suggesting that you're not doing enough. And part of me wants to sit in this and be like, well, that's cool, Sarah. Great empathy. Great compassion. I value that part of myself. And the part of me is like, I can't live like this. So yeah, I told you this was a ramble. We're gonna keep going, but. I wanted to kind of offer this up from a couple of perspectives. I'm going to speak a little bit more specifically about the gifted thing in a minute because I find, I'm learning a lot and I do imagine that in this community we have a lot of folks with similar experiences. But I'm wondering how many of you are doing similar things, whether it's, whether you're view, whether it's in the same way or not. But the, and with the level of nuance that I'm trying to like kind of express or not, but how many of us are just sitting here not saying what we want to say because we're so afraid of hurting someone? Can you imagine? And I do want to say, how amazing is that? How amazing that we are such a caring and kind community that we really want to try 
to to not alienate people, to not cause harm. But what happens then when we start to censor ourselves, especially, I mean, the example I just gave you is kind of silly, right? Some of you are probably like, oh, well, yeah, if I saw the list of things that you do in a day, Sarah, I might feel blah, 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 right? I don't know. Some of you might feel that way. Oh, and I could reiterate, I also have days where I do, where I do nothing because my brain doesn't work and, and I'm sick or I can't breathe or whatever's going on. I have, I have days where I don't do anything and can't do anything. But how many of us are like trying to massage who we are and what we want to say out of this, this, this fear of, I mean, of, of being rejected, of being bad, like of being bad people? I mean, it's literally impossible to, to not cause harm. Humans harm each other all the time. <laughs> and, but, but the feeling of that, the feeling of, of potentially hurting someone, of saying something that offends someone, and I don't think it's even so much offending them, it's the idea that you're hurting them, right? I think most of us probably don't care about somebody just like, you know, turn around and be like, you're stupid. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we would. <laughs> but that, that, feeling of self-censorship. I'm really interested in that. I'm interested in how many of you are doing that too. And not, you know, because you want to say something that you know is bad, in which case, like, or is actually bad and will actually cause harm, in which case, um, therapy's great. <laughs> and working with, with colleagues and peers for accountability to, to question those things is great. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about what I said. I'm talking about me being afraid to come on Instagram and be like, I had it basically like, I had a good energy week. Here's the cool stuff that I got into because I'm afraid that someone's going to think that I am whatever. Saying you need to be doing as much as I am. And I feel it. I feel that so deeply, that pain and that fear. And I feel. We have a lot of sensitive folks here. And I feel the potential harm that that causes for somebody. So what do we do? I don't want a disclaimer my life. You know, I want us to be at a place where kindness coupled with personal responsibility enables us to have conversations where we don't agree. To opt out of things that don't, don't actually help us to, to, to invite more nuance to, I want, I know that especially this year in particular, we've seen this isn't always possible, but I want us to be at a place where we're able to extend the benefit of the doubt. I also personally want to be at a place where I'm not obsessing over an Instagram story. <laughs> but I think too about commitment there. What is the commitment I've made in that space? My Instagram is not a personal Instagram. It's a business account. It's, a, it's meant for the business. Does that mean that my authenticity should be filtered? I wouldn't say that I'm inauthentic there in the sense that I don't like, say things I don't agree with or something. But I'm obviously censoring myself out of fear. And in that particular, I mean, fear of, of harming people, I'm afraid, so I'm sitting here you know, telling you that I am gifted. I'm afraid of people thinking that I'm a snob, that I think I'm better than people or whatever. I'm afraid that's going to affect my business. 
You know, I remember when I first started talking openly about being sober, my struggles with addiction. We talked about that on the podcast years ago and how afraid I was. When I first got sober, I had a hard time finding work because people didn't want the truth and they could tell that I was lying. I said why I had left my previous job. I did find that by speaking about that, well, there aren't many people in this community who have a problem with it. If you do, I guess you can leave. For some reason, because it's about me, like exclusively about me, really, it doesn't bother me as much. But that business commitment, you know, if we look at these businesses holistically, like I talk about all the fucking time here, and as I say, it has to include all of who we are, but that's part of the decision-making process, then I don't think I can have a business where I feel the need to censor myself. Certainly not about something as silly as what I just said, but also not about what I'm experiencing, about how I'm learning to work with my brain, about how I'm learning to understand what has happened to me in my life, the ways I've been treated, the ways that I've been mistreated, and how that influences who I am today. So here I am trying to tie together these ideas of commitment, of being gifted, of giving myself the space to actually explore what it means to recognize that my brain is different and not just because of the mental illness I experienced, but also like in the way, like my cognition is different. I, I, I think, I mean, I'm kind of thinking of a handful of people in particular who I know have gone through this and I imagine many more of you maybe, but I almost can't wrap my head around that when you realize that other people's brains are different than yours. I mean, part of me is like, that's super cool. And it explains a lot. (laughs) But it's hard to have that level of self-awareness when you only know the inside of your own brain. And how over the years, persistently, the fact that my brain works differently means that I've been treated differently. I've been consistently misunderstood, which is probably why I'm afraid to post an Instagram story. And then as soon as I realize this, like kind of a coda here is like, not a coda, insertion, um, is that a lot of folks who are gifted as kids, right, you know, like you're in like the gifted and talented program or something, if you have, if you have access to that, just grow up to be adults, right? They're still gifted adults, but it's like at some point, you know, it kind of matters less, I think, unless you're like in the exact right environment or maybe you're like a prodigy kind of thing. You're just, now you're just a smart and probably fucked up adult. (laughs) That there's a, there's a, um, it's pretty common for people to kind of like rediscover that designation when they get older, like me, hello, because you start to realize that a bunch of stuff is wrong and you don't have a reason for it. Not a good one. And have a misdiagnosis usually, or or have some some co-diagnoses. So, I'm working through this right now in this lens of of trying to embrace like what I've been sitting in the past few months, which is that I haven't been able to be my authentic self. First of all, because I didn't recognize what I was doing to suppress it, and then I'm now sitting to you here, recording a rambling episode in a terrible fucking mood trying to express the nuance and 
pain I feel over things that are just like completely random and essentially irrelevant. We haven't even talked about what I feel about things that are not irrelevant, which is much more intense. So I guess I'm curious, you know, this, this, there's a certain freedom in, in kind of getting a framework to understand why things that have long confused me have confused me. And they're, they're generally due to cognitive dif- differences and, and communication differences that, that stem from how I think and how I am and the ways that I'm overexcitable. And I have to ask, what does that really mean? What does that mean for the show? What does it mean for, for the business? What does it actually mean to be authentic when you realize who you thought you were is not who you are? And I've had that experience a couple times in my life. A big one for me was the getting sober. And I'm feeling I'm, I'm really in it right now. And it makes it hard to show up here. It makes it hard to show up and, and sit here and talk about pricing or talk about, you know, this or that on some level because those things are kind of surface. And I feel like there's only so much I can do in a podcast episode. Also because this show is meant to be educational and I don't want every episode to be me diving deeply into, I don't know, whatever connections I'm making about something. I, I want it to actually be useful <laughs> and not just not just Sarah's ramblings. And also because so much of my energy has been elsewhere, it's been in this internal space. It's been in going to therapy, which I mean I haven't been able I mean I, I couldn't afford until this year. Like I I <laughs> you know and, and sitting in this place of 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 almost dissonance around that, that I can afford to go to therapy now. Cool. But it's been, it's been a while, um, since, since we had that any extra income to do something like that. And all of these things swirl together to have me sit here and be like, what on earth can I talk about on the podcast? I'm filled with shame. I am confused. I am excited and thrilled by the possibilities of of kind of letting myself unlearn some of this this training that I've I've learned to kind of conform and make myself more palatable to people, um, or yeah, I think that's that's really right, and to keep myself safe in that way. There's a lot of shame around sitting here and being like, "Oh man, this has been so hard for me. It's so hard being gifted," <laughs> even though it is. And now that I have more language and framework around that, I think I'm really understanding a lot of what's happened throughout my life in a different way and in my adulthood and now. And a holistic business has to take that into account. Whether you have the specific experience or not, my guess is you've had things that have made you question who you are and who you've been. Now, a real crisis point for me came this summer in July when we had our biggest month ever. We had a um, a $30,000 launch, which is my biggest solo launch ever. Um, Craft Your Biz with Friends Adipec, that, that was a bigger launch, but that was a much different program. It's a year-long program. There's two of us. But the launch incubator, $30,000. Some of that was on payment plans, to be clear. We didn't have a $30,000 cash month. I think we had a $26,000 cash month in September. And I just cracked. I just completely like disintegrated. Even though I've been told this, I think part of me did believe that just making more money would solve my problems. And um, 
I want to be super clear because here we are. This is important. Having enough money to pay my bills solved a lot of my problems. <laughs> um, a lot of them. A few years ago, and longtime listeners will know, I, I had a pretty serious depressive episode. I got really sick. Um, kind of shut down my business for a couple months, got a couple jobs and just like, like, like had to figure out how to, how to make it work. We had a real, this is when we moved to North Carolina, had a really hard time finding work. We were, um, yeah, weren't making enough money to pay our bills at all. Um, using credit cards to pay rent, etc. And, you know, I would say we were broke, right? I've, I've never experienced poverty um, personally, but we were broke and it was extremely stressful. And it took a couple years to get even remotely stable, which is what we are now. So I know, I know that there is a level of money that does make things a lot easier. A level of money where you can pay your bills when you know that you're not going to default, they're not going to take your car or that you're not going to have to file for bankruptcy or any of the other things. When you've, when you've shaved it down and all that's left are debt payments and grocery bills and you're like, I, I can't afford these. Like, yeah, m- there's a level of money that makes that anxiety diminish. Probably not go away. I don't think it's gone away for me. Um, I think that's, that's pretty deep in my bones um, at this point, but maybe we'll shift. But at some level, making more money doesn't change who you are. It doesn't solve the problems. You can't actually buy your way into feeling better. And I mean, for a small business, even though I know for a lot of us starting out, and I remember it was really not all that long ago, you know, the idea of making $26,000 cash in a month would have, I mean, that's more than I made my first year in business, <laughs> for sure. That's more, that, that was more than my entire income my first year in business, um, by, by, by a fair amount. But all it did was, was make me miserable, not the money itself, but having that experience of having achieved something that I was, that I desired, that I worked hard for, that I spent, I mean, a year working towards that program was a year old when we had that launch just to, on that commitment front. Oh, I, I got to come back to that talking about commitment in that lens. Um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I see folks get really frustrated when they don't get the result they want immediately or with their first, you know, step of that commitment. And I just need to like iterate for y'all, like, that's, that's not how it works. There are, yes. And like, I see it happen. There are definitely people who, whose businesses grow from like a zero to hundred K overnight or like whatever the metric is, you know, sometimes those people have funding. Sometimes they just hustle their fucking butts off, you know, and make it work. A lot of times they're already experts in their field. So they have even if they're new to business, they already have a really strong existing skill set. But, you know, it took us a year. I mean, it took us more than a year to have a launch that size. It took my entire business, what, three plus years to have a launch that size. So just to be super upfront, like, that didn't happen overnight. And, you know, it's it can be hard to stay committed to something so long and then to realize that you don't know why you're doing it. And I think that's the other fear. The one that I experienced and am experiencing is that we will stick with the commitment. We will say, okay, well, I'm not going to buy into hustle mode. I'll buy into hustle mode, y'all. That's not necessary. <laughs> but I'm also not going to sit here and have a nihilistic, well, everything sucks, so I'm just going to do nothing my entire life. That's, I mean, it's up to you to find the meaning you want in your life, but that just makes me sad. I want, I want joy and ease and excitement and 
an expansion for you. And I don't think that happens by, by choosing the don't do anything route. You don't have to do things that people tell you to do, but sure hope you do something. It can be hard then when we make that level of commitment. We decide we do want something that it is worth. It's worth it. Spend weeks, months, and years on. And, and that first fear is when you won't ever get there, right? But usually if we keep persisting, we do tend to get to where we want to go. It might not be on our timeline. If you had told me it would have taken me like that many, I, I mean, I could lose track of the math in my head, but what, three, three years? I guess, you know, to have a multiple five-figure launch, I probably would have been like, oh, this, this sucks. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that. But the fear of not getting there, I think the, the deeper fear is that we get there, that we get the success, we get the thing, and we're still the same. This isn't a new concept, and I, I, I couldn't tell you who invented it, probably just humans, like having a really great hunt and being like, man, I'm still me though. Really, really got that bore, but st- still me. <laughs> I mentioned Dabrowski earlier, um, whose work is kind of the, the, it seems like the very popular framework for working with gifted children and adults now. But it wasn't created for giftedness. His, his um, framework was really about kind of, I don't know, one of conscious development is the right word. But it was a way of understanding how breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. How what he calls positive disintegration. Oh, isn't that such a good phrase? I love that phrase. That disintegration of the, of the self or parts of the self is what leads to deeper self-knowledge, deeper whatever, <laughs> expansion, growth, blah, blah, blah. And I wonder then if that's kind of the key to what we're talking about today. Because there's honestly part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to do that again. Why? Why do that? Why have a big launch? Why make that money? I mean... It'd be good to make that money. We have bills to pay. I have no savings. <laughs> I started a very, very small retirement account this year. You know, I'm not financially stable. So, no, it's, it's good to keep growing the business so that you and, and those who work with you and those you're responsible for and, and the people you give back to all can benefit from that. But on that deeper why? Well, what if because doing things that we decide we want to do and commit to, even if we don't get what we want out of it, can still be a breakthrough? What if it's worth it regardless of how we feel about it? Because we'll feel something. Or we'll feel nothing, which is really what happened to me. And that in itself is an experience. That in itself is information. That commitment taking the time, energy, and dedication to to do something, to do whatever it is. Launching, learning a language. I'm going to beat this level in my chess app. Just you wait. (laughs) That it teaches us something about ourselves. And that that might be worth it. And that in learning more about ourselves, we can also potentially learn more about others. We can learn more about how humans work and how we behave and what we really need what we individually need. I'm not much of one for the cult of individualism that we have in in the Western world. Much more interested in in community and in how we all play a part. 
But that doesn't mean that your needs don't matter. It doesn't mean you don't matter. I venture in community, we each get to matter a little bit more. We have a deeper meaning. We have a, have a purpose. Maybe these commitments help us define that. Maybe, I mean, I wouldn't have gone into therapy if I didn't have that experience. Because I was fine. Everything was fine. <laughs> fine on paper. I was having panic attacks all the time, but everything was fine. And I'm, on, I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm sitting in it. I am like, and I, I, I feel like I'm drowning. And it's one of the reasons, again, it's been a little hard to show up. Hard to show up on social media. It's hard to show up here. Because all of that energy, all the energy I do have for work, it's, it's going into the, it's going to my paid programs right now, primarily. I mean, we have been making the show, of course, but like that, that extra kind of oomph, any oomph I have, <laughs> it's going to our customers um, and to support the team. And I'm doing so much, I'm writing a lot of content still and all sorts of fun stuff, but um, I'm, I'm in it. And the water level is high. You may be too. I'm so curious about what happens if we let ourselves swim. I'm so curious about what happens if we let ourselves just show up. If we recreate good faith by being authentic to the best of our ability, with appropriate boundaries, of course. (laughs) What happens? What happens when we're not afraid? What happens if we let ourselves believe that showing up in good faith might be okay? I don't know. I don't think I can wrap this one up in a bow. A lot of harm is caused by people who think that they are acting in good faith. Remember, this is not new, no nuance November over here. <laughs> Never no nuance here. A lot of harm is caused by that. So maybe I don't have an answer. Except to say that I really hope, if you are like me, that you too can find a way to post lighthearted Instagram stories <laughs> without obsessing over being misinterpreted. That's all I have today. If you've listened this long, thanks for joining me. I hope maybe something here was useful. I hope the idea of commitment, the idea of doing things, that that maybe actually matters. The idea of just sitting in in the deep fear and shame that so many of us feel for so many reasons. It's it's embedded. It's it's in the culture. That is the, the underbelly. And then when we put that on top of our personal challenges, it's, it's deadly. It's literally deadly. What shame, what shame causes. And thanks for letting me say the word gifted out loud. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, here's the deal. You don't like it, you can unsubscribe and go on your merry way. You can leave me a douchey review, I guess, if you want, though I'd prefer you didn't do that. Um, (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and pretend that my brain is normal. It's not. It's not. And trying to be a certain way, to fit a certain mold, to conform myself some palatable version of me. Not only has that prevented me from creating my great works, has that prevented me from doing my best in serving all of you, because that, that is definitely true, but it has hurt me, and, and I, I don't have the energy to keep hurting myself anymore. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast about soul-centered entrepreneurs. This is it. This is, this is the witchiness. Asking questions. I mean, I'm not sitting here. Well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not in trance. That's, that's a lie. That's not true. I'm definitely in trance. But this is it. It's not, not always fun candles and exciting spells and uh, cool meditations and like super chill vibes, man. It's picking up that rock in your belly of shame and looking on the underside. What's crawling around? <laughs> and how is that impacting you, your work, your world? I'll see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.